it's a great privilege for me to be sitting here with the Reverend Pete Woodcock. <laughs> I don't <laughs> normally get called Reverend. And Pete, you are the minister of yep. Cornerstone Church. What's the full name of the church? Uh, it's Cornerstone Church, Kingston. Where yeah. do you come from originally? By, uh, I, re I was born in Windsor. Actually, it was a place called Deadworth. Spelled as it sounds. Yeah, Deadworth. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What an inspiring yeah. name. Inspiring name. And then uh, would, uh, you came to be pastor of the church here in the last um, 20 oh, years. Oh, yes, yes. So I think we set up about, um, uh, probably about 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 But originally I was I was doing student work at the university and we saw quite a few people converted. So a lot of our church are ex-students that have married each other and got children and so forth. Mm, so mm. there was quite a quite a lot converted at, at Kingston Uni. Mm -hmm. And then from there, there needed to be a church that they felt comfortable with. And we sort of set it up from there. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so Cornerstone originally started with eight people mm -hmm. um, and then... We then sort of went in with, with Fairfield and then we became one sort of church. Mm, fantastic. And the building here, rather nice facility. Yeah. And how did you come upon this building? So this was originally a Brethren church. They had been going for 150 years, the Brethren church. They'd been in this building uh, which for, for 50 years, but they had sort of dwindled quite a lot. We were sending our preachers. We have a preachers group called Fight Club. And we send out our preachers to various churches and they were preaching here and they liked the preaching and warmed towards us and were big enough to say, we need to wrap up and uh, you, you take the whole building. So it's been just terrific. Because in Kingston, you know, this site is worth quite a, quite a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we, had, we had no means of being able to buy a plot of land like this. And now we've got this, it's terrific. Yeah. Oh, it's extraordinary. You know, mm. I don't know if you know, um, I heard Dick Lucas said, Mm. that between the wars, the yeah. brethren were the people who carried the flame for uh, mm. evangelical cause mm. in this country. I well, I think, I think there's something to do with them doing the Lord's table, the simplicity of it, and yet it's reminding them always of the centre of Christianity, which mm. is the cross mm. and resurrection. Mm. So I think if you're being reminded of that constantly, which they would always do, mm. Yeah, Good foundation for keeping strong. Yeah, speaking, <laughs> uh, speaking with older brethren people, they often remind me of what uh, when Lloyd Jones uses that somewhat uh, tantalizing term. He says, um, "I would rather spend half an hour with a saint <laughs> than X." Yeah, and you think, "What do you mean a saint?" And I think what he's talking about is some of these older people who have seen great things and approved God, and yeah. the grace of God is like in their bones. Yeah, they have a lovely legacy of of, of authenticity with the text. So um, now, uh, Pete, the, the church is part of co-mission. Now, there are two mm. church planting groups in London called co-mission. Yes. This is the one with the hyphen. Yes, <laughs> we've got the hyphen. Dash yeah. mission. Yes, that's right. What's that? What's co-mission? Well, it's a group of churches that came out from a church plant from Emmanuel Wimbledon. So Richard Cokin led that plant, which was called Dundonald. And he's got a lot of vision, Richard. And that church grew, and then they planted another one, and then it's become a sort of... Uh, movement if you like. I mean we're very humble but it's, we're having a go at trying to plant new churches in London mm. because there's plenty of scope. So it's not saying we're the only ones, it's not saying that we even do it best, it's just we're having a go. Amen. Uh, and so we want to keep doing that. So, That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah more of that, I yeah. like that, have yeah. a go, yeah. very good. And Cokin is a guy who's had flack from the secular Press. He's been bold on things where the Bible says yes and the culture says no. And he yeah. says, well, I'm going with the Bible. Yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's quite yeah, great. He's an inspiration to be around. He wrote the thing on, um, one of those things on Ephesians. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah the uh, Bible for you or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Keller did the Romans. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd say it's a really excellent it's book. It's excellent commentary. <laughs> uh, I recommend it to everyone. So did you come from a believing family yourself, Pete? No, my parents are fantastic parents. They, particularly my dad, went to a sort of Anglican church on a Sunday, but he never expected me to go or there was no Sunday school or anything like that. I went to what, it, what was called a church school, so I think we had to go once a term to church and the headmaster would do sort of religious-y assemblies, but it was all bad and boring and no Christ really. A lot of law I seem to remember, you know, don't do this boys and don't do that because it was a boys school in Windsor. And then he runs off with the with the secretary, you know, it's that sort of thing. So you just see it as hypocritical. Really. Actually, on one occasion, I got into the, the choir because you got paid if you got into the choir. So me and a few mates got into this choir. I mean, I don't know, I can't sing. <laughs> And in Windsor Parish Church, there was a record company that thought this is how to make money out of Americans, because lots of Americans come to Windsor, Windsor Castle. The parish church is right next to Windsor Castle. Let's get the boys to do carols, Windsor School, you know, boys' school, doing carols. We give them a little bit of pocket money, and then we'll sell that album to the... And we were just messing around. So my friend, Kenny, was laughing so much, the, the vicar went mad, pulled him out, put, put him over the altar with his bottom up and spanked him on the altar in Windsor Parish Church. And of course, we were just laughing. We were just crying. So they couldn't, they couldn't, really, they couldn't really do anything. Yeah, so that was, it was that sort of religiosity that right. we went through that meant nothing to us. But... but was to be mocked. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. So, uh, you know, we, I remember going to Windsor Parish Church uh, for a carol service, uh, pretty, pretty drunk with my friends, drunk. sitting in the balcony, chucking the hymn books at, at people. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, and so that, 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 that's what we thought of right. as sort of religion. It was nonsense. So how was it you came to hear the gospel? Well, we were... There was a group of us in Windsor which were very close, you know, we were lads, I would say. It was the sort of expression I would use. We, we were a, a gang, but not in the sense that people would, you know, see it now. So we were a group of lads. Most of what we did was, was, was wanting a laugh. It's just messing around, really. But it meant that I, I took that messing around probably a bit too seriously and got, I got thrown out of school. Uh, but I didn't care, you know, I was very happy to be thrown out of school because I could then do what I thought I you know, wanted to do, which was play in a rock band and all of that sort of stuff. I used to play drums. But on one occasion, we were, uh, me and a friend were in uh, Windsor Castle. And one of the things that we used to do to try to make money was to take American tourists around Windsor uh, as, as a sort of tour guide, a bit like what you do in London, right. except we just made it up. Ah! I don't know whether you do. <laughs> Um, and so we would wait in those days. Coach loads would come. You'd have an umbrella and they would come off the coach. And you'd say, follow me. And they just did. Oh, wow. And so we would take them round Windsor and say, this is a Norman. I mean, honestly, this was one of my lines. This is a Norman wall. A bloke called Norman Wisdom made it. So 
<laughs> I used to oh say, my goodness! Te- absolutely terrible. And then I learned also some plaques, uh, historic plaques, uh, like a, like a, I can still remember some of it, a Spanish gun that was there, and I'd learned this. And then of course when we took them around, we used to put a hat around and and take some money. Now on this occasion, we were in Windsor. We were selling, funny enough, bicycle clips to tourists, claiming that they were historic bicycle clips. I mean, people would buy anything. Um, and the, the line was that these were probably Queen Victoria's bicycle clips. Oh and so we were in Windsor Castle. Now, we'd, it was illegal to sell stuff up there, and we'd been done several times for selling. Along comes this man, dressed completely different to us, in a suit and a tie. We thought he was plainclothes police. We should have run away, but we were very bolshy, very silly, and we didn't. And he wasn't a plainclothes policeman. But he laughed with us. There was something very amazing about this bloke. He seemed to like us. Now, normally people dressed like that were the enemy. But he wasn't, he didn't come across as an enemy. He laughed, he, he, he chatted with us. And there was something, you know, even then I can remember the first meeting with him thinking, well, nice bloke. Then, uh, a few days later, we met him again, accidentally. And again, he was very friendly, chatted with us. On this occasion, we were, had charity boxes raising money for charity. It wasn't for charity. And again, he didn't buy the bicycle clips, he didn't put money in, so he had sense, I think. But he was very friendly to us. A few days later, accidentally, we met him again. Now, what are the chances of that? Mm-hmm. And he said, lads, I'd love you. Why, don't you, why don't you bring your friends, come back to my house? Now, that was like, what? So we did. Uh, there were eight of us, went back to his house. We went to see what we could nick. But when we got there, he was so decent, none of us wanted to steal anything. He played music that we liked, which was just weird. So records? We were, yeah, records. We were into The Who and all of this sort of stuff. He knew all about that. He was very nervous. We were squashed on chairs and settees. There were seven blokes and one girl. And we were squashed on, and he kept going in and out of the sort of kitchen, making bits of food to, for us to eat. And he said, boys, I, uh, lads, I just want to I I talk to you about something serious. And he was obviously a bit nervous about it, and we were laughing when he, you know, what's he going to say? Is he? We thought he was some kind of strange sexual predator or something, because we couldn't get it. He was a nice bloke. He wanted to talk to us about something. What on earth was this? Mm. And then he came in and he said, "Okay, I actually want to talk to you about God." Now, I stood up at that moment and told him, told him to, you know, go away in strong language. And that was a bit unusual for me. I didn't really say that. I didn't speak quite like that to, to someone like this. And then felt, you know, stood up and tell, told him to go away. And then felt really bad about it and just sat down. <laughs> and he carried on. And it was fascinating. His whole manner, his kindness towards us, his friendliness, and yet seriousness about God. So over a few weeks, we used to meet with him and he told us, and it was at that point that I realized that I actually was a sinner. 
I remember arguing in the pub a few weeks before we met him that if there was a God, I wasn't bad enough for hell, but I wasn't good enough for heaven. I realised by when he sort of started to open up the Bible to us and show us that actually I deserved hell. I actually deserved hell. And it was devastating. I didn't know what to do. I realised that I had offended God and I deserved hell. And I guess I'd never really heard anyone say that, or at least I never felt that. And I remember on one occasion in my mate's bedroom with him telling us uh, this stuff, saying, well, what do I do? I've blown it, haven't I, with God? And he said, yes, you have. Is your friend or the guy? No, the guy. You've blown it with God. Both of you, actually. And as well as, I'm like, what's, what's the point of life then? And then he showed us Jesus. And he showed us what Jesus, and then of course I knew the story of the cross, but it never connected. And he shows us that Jesus died for our sins. Mm. That you can be right with God by his action. It was extraordinary liberating. I'd never heard it like that before. And never heard the, the personalness of Christ's death for my sins. And that he rose again to make me right with the living God. And it was a, just, you know, just life-changing at that moment. He took us through a little tiny book. I think it was called The Green Book. It, I think it became Journey Into Life. Mm. If you remember that old book, mm. it's one of these, it's a mm. little leaflet thing. Mm. And it was at that point that I asked the Lord Jesus to be my saviour, and he, he was. Wow. All of those eight became Christians. Oh, my goodness. Within a few months, there was probably 40, maybe 60 got, became Christians. Very great. Uh, and it had quite an effect on Windsor. My parents became Christians. Lots of our, our friends' parents became Christians. We told people about Jesus and a lot of them became Christians. So it was, a, it was quite an extraordinary work. Wow. And then he was taken away. He went away. He went to prison, actually. Good gracious. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what for? I do know what for. He, he had... Uh, obviously been a Christian and had severely backslidden and done a crime that was not pleasant and he hadn't got found out about it but went and owned up because of his repentance. Oh really? Yeah. Good gracious. So he came back to the Lord after doing this crime and went and owned up and then he got, um, I'm not sure, I think I think it was something like 10 years in, in Wormwood Scrubs but actually it was, it, I can't, can't remember whether it was that, it was, a, it was quite a long sentence. And uh, he was out within about three years. But what made it real was that this was a real bloke mm. who had real sin in his life. Gosh. But Jesus had really dealt with it. Yeah. And he was very repentant of it. So it all made everything a bit more real mm. than the, the holy man dressed up that we were used to, mm -hmm. speaking in a sort of rather funny voice that didn't relate at all. Mm. This was a real bloke with real issues in his life, a real sinner doing real crimes, but was really forgiven. And so it, it, made, it made it all very real. <laughs> I'll use that word again. Yeah. What an yeah. extraordinary yeah. moment. Yeah, it was. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And, and you, 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 how old were you at this point? I was 19, yeah. Right, so you were just old enough, you were going to pubs. At that point, you're, were you working? Well... <laughs> I was going through job after job. Right. I used to play drums in a band, but right. 
I used to get sacked from jobs. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, there's some funny stories there. I don't know what you want to know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was a waiter on one occasion. A woman complained uh, that uh, the egg on taste took too long. This was all in Windsor. And I said, oh, madam, if you're going to complain uh, about them, you don't deserve the eggs. So I sat down and ate them in front of her. <laughs> sacked from that job. Strangely um, enough. We worked, I worked for Windsor uh, uh, Theatre Royal. Uh, but we were sacked because... We were supposed to change the scenery for the second day. I was a stagehand. I was over the pub drinking oh, a bit too much. Oh, my word. By the time we came back, the audience had been waiting for a long time for the scenery to be oh, changed. No. And then we were too drunk to change it. Oh, gosh. So there were uh, <laughs> a lot of that sort of stuff going on. And you were making um, pocket money on the side with the bicycle clips. Bicycle and, clips the... and a lot right. of other things. Um, and so... I, can imagine, I can imagine a gang, as you describe it, of young guys in Windsor carrying on like this their conversion must have been, as you say, it must have had an effect on a town. Yeah. And Windsor isn't like a vast metropolis, is no, it? No, no, but we were known. Mm. And it was known that we were, we become Christians. And there's a fellow in the middle of it all who says, my repentance isn't technical. It is uh, going to require a confession to the authorities. That yeah. is extraordinary. Yeah. And um, now at this time, I'm imagining this is, now, how long ago is this? Uh, if, I don't, uh, if you don't mind coming nearly, clear. Nearly 50 years. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah. No. Yes, I'm fi well, I'm 58. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, the, all right. 19. No, not 50 years. No, 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, yes, you're not quite I'm that I'm so old, old I'm, I can't remember anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so 40 it, years, nearly 40 years. Now, so. at this stage, you've got characters in the evangelical scene, such as Starch. I think Lloyd Jones was possibly still preaching, was he? He was, yeah. Right, right. And did, were you exposed to any of these guys? I was exposed to Lloyd Jones, except I didn't. I went to hear him live, uh, but he was ill, so he was coming towards the end there of his life, and I never, I never, I never heard him live. Which oh. was very annoying. So there was someone else who filled in. Uh, well, it's quite a long story. So uh, I mean, the first experience of church. So I went to the church with. Uh, pro there was probably about eight of us. Now you've got to remember, we had very long hair, beards, you know. We were wild, but we were serious about Christ. We loved Christ, but we didn't know anything else. Mm. So, I, I mean, I, I genuinely could, couldn't really read very well. Mm. It, was, it was becoming a Christian that made me want to read. Wow. I wasn't, you know, I was really thick. But it was becoming a Christian that made me want to find out stuff. So, you know, when people say, you know, Christianity is like a sort of weird cult that suppresses you and your intellect, nonsense. It was the complete opposite for me. I wanted to find out about the world, about what God had done, you know, and so forth. But then we just didn't know anything. I knew Christ was my, I loved Christ. And we, we did. We went to this very traditional church. And uh, <laughs> they didn't have any musicians or anything like that they just sang you know just a cappella. but it was funny and, and we didn't want to laugh but we couldn't help laughing so you had very warbling people Gosh. so we're sitting in this meeting with very warbling people with songs we'd never heard of course you know like this and we're <laughs> but so they think we're mocking we weren't there to mock oh. i mean this is i think the church needs to understand this it was just so alien mm. that, you, that you get the giggles, you know. Mm -hmm. 
After the service, I remember a bloke saying to me, he came straight up to me and told me off for my long hair. I didn't know what he was talking about. It didn't, what were you talking about? What's hair got to do with anything? I didn't even mm, know, mm, you know. Mm, mm. Um, he showed me a verse in the Bible where men shouldn't have long hair or something. I didn't know what he was talking about. And I was embarrassed. Uh, but it was all new, so I tend to get laugh. I laugh when I'm nervous. So I was, you know. Oh, gosh. And then he, he told me that they had a funeral on the Saturday. And, of course, when I looked around, you, you had to be about 80 to get into the creche of this place. <laughs> so so I, I was trying to be nice, and, you know, and I remember saying, oh, I bet you have a lot of them. Oh! <laughs> to which he was clearly offended. I then asked where the toilet was. Now, this is, this is weird. He said, OK, in order to get to the toilet, because I, I was trying to excuse myself, to, you know, to, to stop the conversation. He said, well, what you've got to do is you go out that door there, you turn left, you went out into the outside, you turn left, and then immediately right, and you'll go into another hall. And then you turn right again, and you follow down the end of the hall, and then turn right, and you'll come out of this door, and there's the uh, men's or gentlemen's. So I did that, I did that. Now my friend, one of the girls, asked where the ladies was. Now all you had to do was to go out of the door and turn right. And of course the, the ladies and the men's were the exact same block of toilets. Right. It's just that you weren't allowed to pass the ladies right. because you're a man. Oh so you had God. to go round all of this excursion, but you came out the same way. Oh my so it was really, all of this was just so funny for us. Oh. With all these little signs to the gentlemen's, you know, oh. um, when it was only actually just go out the door and it's oh. next to the ladies. Um, so all of this was so alien, uh, we couldn't handle that. The next church we went to was Windsor Parish Church. Again, we were serious. Um, and uh, that was the church that we went to, I went to when I was sort of drunk and as a school we had to go to, where my mate got spanked over a, over a bit water. The service was very high. It was sing-song, the bloke did it in this funny one-tone voice. So afterwards, again, we were not trying to mock it, but afterwards I shook his hand and said, that was terrible. That was really bad, that service. Do you want us to help you? We could bring our band, we could rock this up a bit. Oh. Genuinely meaning right. to not be critical. Right. It was just that we didn't know how to talk properly or, you know. <laughs> And uh, he was deeply offended and oh, told us to go away. Oh dear. Um, so our experience at church was, oh was really rocky. Tyndale had that with um, Cusper Tunstall. Yeah. Can I translate the Bible into English for you? Yeah. I was doing really well. Yeah. Leave now. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was that sort of moment. There were those moments. So... You get the gospel, but you didn't get the church. No. So we used to meet, about 40 of us would meet together just reading the Bible. We were really? totally ignorant. Oh, I genuinely didn't know. I remember doing a little talk because I, I found out that Saul had been converted. Well, I thought that was King Saul of oh, the Old wow, Testament. Wow. So I was really chuffed. King Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. Oh. And uh, so embarrassing things like that. But the Lord was very good. And in the end, he did send a Bible teacher to us. Oh, wow. And uh, that's a long, long story. But uh, he taught us the Bible really well. Now, you have developed an interest in church history and yeah. of course you have you you not only uh, are a fan but you have your roots going deep into it how was it you came across some of that do you remember when you first came across yeah so one people? of the first books i read as a christian was the 
uh, what's it called, Five English Reformers by oh, J.C. Ryle. Right. So once I sort of learnt to read, um, that was the one of the first things. The first commentary I ever read, which I, I didn't know there was loads of them, was, was Matthew Henry. And I used to read that uh, and read the Bible. So I sort of knew these old blokes. Now, again, as I suppose, because I was uneducated, I genuinely thought that's what happened. You believe the gospel and then you burn. Wow. You just died. I just thought that's what happened. So, <laughs> so we sort of went out like that. So I remember preaching outside Windsor Castle. You know, the police were trying to stop us. And we just assumed that you would just get arrested and imprisoned and killed or something like that. That's, I think, what we saw. So we just sort of lived a bit life like that. Let's just go for the gospel then. Uh, let's just tell everybody about the, about the gospel. So I, I, I guess we got straight into that by reading those sort of, those sort of books. And ever since then, I've, I've loved, I've loved. Well, I mean, the word church history is very boring. I know. But it's lives of gospel people. Yeah. And they're just thrilling. Yeah. Because they love Jesus. Amen. And, and that's it. That's this is it. it. Yeah. We have that I've, with our book on the Reformation, Freedom Movement. People yeah. have asked me, uh, do you really think there's an appetite for church history? Mm. And I say, I think people are interested in stories. Exactly. And this is the story yeah. of what, I mean, the fact is when God sends his son into the world, it is written down in stories. Mm. We get four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the, the stories that catch people's imagination. And when you get told you are part of a story, yeah. and I tend to find, I, uh, someone asked me what's the best book on prayer, I have tended to point people towards biographies, because mm. you find it's when people held on, yeah. and they said, it says this here, and yeah. so I'm gonna do that, Yes. that you think, then I'm gonna pray. You don't tend to, right, let's look at the minutiae from some guy who never really actually <laughs> seems to pray much, yeah. but, but he's got the theory. But yeah. when you see it, here's a man who was, he, it was this or dead. It was this or nothing. Yeah. And, it was, and he did this. Yeah. And this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. He, that's what, it's the, so it's not it's like you come with a preoccupation with um, wearing ruffs and, and no. <laughs> in the ancient world. No. It's, it's more, these guys, they wrestled with the things with which my soul wrestles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So who's some uh, some of the, your heroes from uh, who you've come across? Who are your friends? Uh, well, Spurgeon, I think. Uh, I mean, the trouble is everybody wants Spurgeon as their friend. Uh, <laughs> I love Spurgeon for so many reasons. I love the way he is so gospel-centred, well, Christ-centred, Jesus-centred. He's constantly bringing people back to, to Jesus. I love his imagery, the way he understands the Bible so much. Uh, that he allows it to blossom and grow, and he's so good with the with the imagery of the Bible that's there, uh, 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 but sort of expressing that as well to to his era. And then obviously we need to translate that very often into our own era. I think whenever I'm feeling uh, either smug, proud, or discouraged, you read a bit of Spurgeon, and it just does your soul good. Mm. It brings you down and lifts you up. <laughs> because it shows you Jesus. Yes, yes, consistently. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he himself. Uh, I find it fascinating also because he himself wasn't always encouraged, no. but he seems to have known where to find encouragement. Mm. He puts together the the checkbook at the Bank of Faith. Yeah. He puts together the and he read in the Puritans. What was it? He read a book a day. Yeah. Kind of yes, mm. and you consistently know there will be gospel riches. I, I, I happen to like that thing about Keller on preaching. And he's, right. he says, helpfully, he says, I used to think that the gospel was the ABC. 
And once mm. you've got past the gospel, mm. you then go to all oh, the important yeah. stuff. He says, the longer I've been around, I've now realized the gospel is the A to Z. Yeah. Or I think he said the A to Z. Yeah, yeah, you got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> everything else sounded good. Because yeah. <laughs> now you see the gospel makes sense of everything. Yeah, you know, so it's you know, husbands love your wives, like yeah. it says in Leviticus. No, yeah. no, no, no. Husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. Yeah, it's a picture of yeah. the gospel. And again and again, you see, be generous, like Christ. Uh, though he was rich, he became poor, mm. so that we might become rich in him. And mm. Again and again, it keeps coming back to yeah. Christ. And that seems to be what And there's the an earthiness about Spurgeon as well. I mean, he was prepared to talk earthy. I mean, that's one of the criticisms he had. They mocked him for speaking sort of normal language. And I like him for that. Because mm. he wants to communicate the gospel. Right. It's, yeah. it's, you find the same thing in Tyndale. He's, yeah, he's all the words, so many of the words are one syllable. Mm. And it's, yeah. it's, he's not trying to, to say, oh, when people look back on me, they'll say how clever I was. He's mm. trying to serve the church exactly. by pointing them yeah. towards the... Well, Tyndall's another one of my heroes, I mean, because I've been reading about him because of the Reformation. But mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. He, 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 he understands the culture. He understands the Word of God. I mean, he was a master at that, and he can put those two together to produce the language that he produced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Superb. Anybody like that, I like. Yeah. I'm sure you do, too. Yeah. Yes, they, become, they do become your friends. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. I was listening to a thing yesterday about um, John Owen. And what's striking about John Owen, of course, is everyone thinks, oh, no, John Owen, mm. hard, oh, hey, hard, John Owen. And, of course, the king says to him, why do you bother to listen to that tinker, speaking yeah. of Bunyan? He says, yeah. I would give up half my learning yeah. to be able to preach like the tinker. Exactly. Here's a guy, you know, he's, he's written stuff, which you say, you could put him up there along with Calvin and Luther. Yeah. But he says, oh, I would give it up if I could preach like the tinker. Yeah. Because he wants to, he wants to serve the people with yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Are there any particular biographies you've lately read which have been an encouragement? Well, I've been reading quite a few recently, so I've just read one on John Knox. That's a new one by Jane Dawson, I think her name is. I've just got around to reading the Tyndall one, the Danielle one. Oh, what a um, great book. Wow, it's an amazing, amazing biography. I think book. it is a fantastic book because it, it, it just shows you that Tyndall really made our language. Mm. And I love his, you know, he, he sort of has that phrase, I think he repeats it, but it's certainly repeated in my mind. No Tyndall, no Shakespeare. Mm. No Tyndall, no Shakespeare. Mm. Because Shakespeare gets all the credit, mm -hmm. but we wouldn't have had that without Tyndall. And I, th I, th I think that is a magnificent biography. Mm. Yeah. And he was a, you know, Tyndale was an evangelist. He led John Rogers to Christ. Yeah. John Rogers, the first Protestant martyr. Yeah. But he says, um, he said he found it was impossible to establish the lay people in the truth, yeah. except the scripture remained available in their mother tongue. I find that encouraging as well, mm. because you tend to find with your evangelists that there can be a boiling down of the gospel almost to caricature. Mm. And so you end up getting this uh, little kind of, just do this, just believe this, and you're right. But the fact is, once we put our faith in Christ, Satan doesn't then go, oh, well, lost him. It's then that he starts trying to twist the knife and confusing yes. us. Yes. And Tyndale, he was leading people to Christ left, right, and center. And then he's saying, but you've got to be able to read this, you know, because yeah. Satan will confuse you. Yes. You've got to have access to... You don't want to be a slave to sin. Put the flesh to death by the spirit. You know, you've got to get yeah. that. You've got to understand yeah. these things. Yeah. So um, to what are you up presently, Pete? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm just preparing to go to Belarus. So we're doing a camp there. Uh, uh, there's nine of us from our church uh, doing a camp in Belarus um, with a brother that used to be the, an apprentice here who's who's in Belarus he's a Belarusian he's a fantastic evangelist 
So this is an English camp where they get quite a lot of atheists coming along to sort of learn English, but we, 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 that it's, we're upfront about it. We learn English by teaching the Bible. Uh, and they take themes. So they've taken the theme. They, they love all this sort of English stuff. So they've taken the theme of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, and and well, that's a brilliant theme because you can do investigation. Yes. So we've just written the material investigating what the Bible really says, which is great because the, the atheists can say, oh, I don't believe that. And we can say, well, you don't have to believe it. Let's just investigate. And then, of course, we do what Spurgeon says, you let the word of God out like a lion and oh, it will brilliant. bite them. Yeah. So we're just preparing that. We go on Thursday. Then just putting the final touches to a camp that I write the material for, which is Contagious. And we're doing the Reformation. So that's why I've been reading all this stuff on the Reformation. Uh, we're doing the five, what are called the solas, you know, the onlys. Um, and uh, we preach Romans, and we're doing some church history as well. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. And as you go back over these things, is there mm. anything which is especially refreshing you? You finding yourself? Well, I, I mean, you know, Tyndall, he's become my sort of new hero. <laughs> Actually, um, Thomas Cromwell has become my, uh -huh. a hero of mine. And I think just reading between the lines, and then I, I wrote to a few academics about him just to find out. Uh, Although he's a mystery, clearly, um, and he was a politician, clearly, he was using his political nous for supporting evangelicals. So he's become a sort of hero. Oh. So I just think, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I guess a lot of it, especially with the English Reformation, is they've only got 15 minutes of fame. What I've loved about it is they've only got 15 minutes of fame because they're going to die. Mm. And they used it. Mm. So they just went for the gospel, and if we die, we die. But what a legacy. Amen. And I guess the challenge has been, yeah, but you've lived a lot longer than they have. Have you done as much as them? Yeah. And so I think I want to say to the young people, come on. We, no, we just don't know what's going to happen in our life. Mm. Go for the gospel now, Amen. at this moment. Amen. And whether it's difficult at school, which it certainly is increasingly so for young people, I mean, really very difficult, uh, especially, you know, sixth formers, you know, it's tough to be a Christian at school. Stand your ground, stand for Christ, love people, expect persecution, but love Christ. And you don't know what you could do. We don't know what, what reformation you're bringing right now that people will look back and say, oh, Sarah, wasn't mm. she wonderful? Look mm. what she did at Amen. that sixth form college. Amen. She died for Christ or she was mocked. Mm. Uh, and, I remember. You know, yes. So I think, I think that has been spurring me on. Yeah. Amen. That's <laughs> wonderful. We, on, yeah. on our city walk, I take yeah. people into St. Mary Woolnoth. Mm. And of course, St. Mary Woolnoth is a tiny little church building. We did an event there recently and we had to cap it at 120 people. Mm. It's a tiny little place. Yeah. And yet... John Newton's ministry there, you cannot deny that he changed the world. Mm. He encourages Carey, the father of modern missions. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. encourages Henry Martin, yeah. wonderful missionary. And then up those steps, December 1785, young politician. Mm. Should I go into ministry? No, you shouldn't, William. Mm. You should stay in politics mm. and use that platform. Yeah, yeah. And Wilberforce brings about the end of slavery. And you think, it's a tiny little irrelevant church. Yeah. And you think, we're all part of these tiny little irrelevant churches. Yeah. And we're bringing, bringing wonderful, gracious impact, and which a lot of this stuff, we won't see it now. We won't mm. see it now. Right. And yeah, very, very encouraging. And uh, now, Pete, you've, uh, if, I can be, if I can be bold, you've yeah. been around the block. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
that, that's I'm, I'm in yeah. in great humility I say. <laughs> uh, and what was what's some advice you would give to people in our time? Uh, well, I think we've got to um, stick with loving the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think that's just the ABCs. I think that's digging deep. Mm. Uh, the you know the truth is the more you dig, the more likely you are to find gold. So some of those difficult places in the Bible, there is some difficult stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm going through Romans at the moment at church, and you know I've got to preach Romans six. Uh, on Sunday. I mean, my word, there's tough stuff there. Mm. But as you dig, as you look, you understand what Jesus has done for us more and more. And it's it's unfathomable, isn't it? You can keep digging. Mm. It's gold. It's marvellous. So I think we've got to keep sticking. with the, We get so distracted mm. into all kinds of things that are probably very good. But I've only one life it's a bit like reading books. Someone told me years ago, Pete, only read the great books. Mm. There's too many good books. You haven't got much time, so read the great. Uh -huh. So in one sense, I think we haven't got much time. There's lots of stuff we could do, but let's keep digging, understanding what Christ has done for us. And that, I think, gives us passion for the lost. Mm. So another thing I do believe we should do is to read our culture. Mm -hmm. I think we need to read, we need to know the culture we're in. Mm -hmm. So it's great reading history, but be careful we don't live there mm. in, in that sense. What is great about those great reformers is they did read the culture, they knew how to gospel in their culture. We must take that and know how to gospel in our culture. Wow. We're living in a world that is not only broken, and it is very, very sinful. It is disastrous. And my heart is often with young people. Young people are not only confused, they're being ruined. And we must take this wonderful news to them. We'll be slaughtered, laughed at, mocked, maybe arrested. But does it really matter? If we love, we will go. And we've got to learn to go with this same message, but with a culture that is, is confused, believes they understand the gospel, which they don't, they think they know what we're saying. They often don't. Mm. They see it that we're just saying more laws and more religion, Amen. which yeah. is not what we're saying. That's right. They think it's shackles when it's freedom. The fr I mean, Romans 6, the freedom of being a slave to God. That's mm. how he puts Amen. it. Amen. Right. <laughs> um, and I think we've got to show that in the way we live. We've got to adapt, uh, not the message, but our ways of comfort in order to reach reach people. Mm. So I think that's the passion I would want to see. Mm. And we've got to keep going. So there's nothing new. You get all of that from the Bible. We've got to keep sticking to the Bible. Amen. Yeah. It's wonderful. Absolutely right. I noticed I used to work in the city in a in a an office block and you'd notice opposite they were building a tall block. And the way they got it strong was they drilled down in a handful of places deep. Mm. And then they poured, just poured concrete in, as far as I could see. And I think that those places, there are those places when you're reading your devotions, you're reading the Bible and you come across something, you think, well, how does that fit with what I've understood till now? Mm. And it's when you look into it, when you consider it, when you, when you dig into it, that you start finding, and it's now between me and God. 
Mm. How do I? I can't just 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 say, oh, the guy on Sunday will tell me. I have to mm. find out what that means, mm. and then you start actually making. You start. You dig through, and you actually touch gold. Yeah. It's a it's a powerful. I mean, thing. I think one way to do that as a preacher, I find that we preachers are are, are too quick. This this is going to sound completely heretical. <laughs> We're too quick to believe Jesus. <laughs> now let me explain. What we tend to do is we read Jesus say he's having a confrontation with the Pharisees. We tend to stand next to Jesus. We agree with you, Jesus. They're the baddies sort of thing. And I think you don't learn enough that way. What we need to do is to actually stand with the Pharisees and say, who do you think you are, Jesus? Mm -hmm. How dare you say that? Mm -hmm. And feel the affront of Mm -hmm. what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Now, we need to do that in the Bible. Just what? Hey, what? Mm -hmm. And we need to ask it that question. What, what do you think you're talking about? How dare you say that? What, and almost not agree with the Bible. Mm-hmm. That should be our stand. Mm. And then as you're not agreeing and you're, you're hearing the radicalness of it, mm. you then will let, learn, okay, that is radical for our okay, culture. Right. And then you see, Jesus, I need to now trust him and, mm. sh- and see that actually he is right on this. Mm. And I, I think that's one way of digging deep. So I think often... Our reading of the Bible is that we get familiar and we stand next to him rather than actually trying to allow him wow. to confront us. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's profound. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. It's been superb to have some time with you, Pete. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank I wish you we could much. go on for much longer, but it's yeah. been wonderful. And we can find out about your church. Um, it's uh, Cornerstone. What do you know what the website is or anything? Uh, I don't, but uh, it's Cornerstone Church Kingston. <laughs> Cornerstone Church Kingston. Yeah, it's something like www.cornerstonechurchkingston. There you go, probably. I guess. And you, you type it into Google and you'll find it. Yeah. It's been really a treat to have this time with you. Thank you very much, Pete. Thank you. Cheers.